0: Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined by my energetic co-host, Bree Tucker. Hello, hello, everybody.
1: Yay, I got energetic. (laughs) We were just talking beforehand
0: and Bree's like, I think you gave me hard working last time and I really want energetic.
1: (laughs) I'm like, I'll give it to you, Bree. I'll give you energetic. Because let's just be honest. I am a little energetic sometimes. I'm like that little chihuahua. that's just. (laughs) 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 Let's go do this. Let's go do this. (laughs) Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my
0: gosh. Whenever you say Chihuahua, I immediately think of the Taco Bell Chihuahua. And that's all I can keep in my
1: head at Your that moment. With Taco Bell. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I think we all knew how to say that in the
1: 90s. <laughs> oh, I love doggies.
0: That's funny. My son is learning Spanish right now, actually, because his sister is taking Spanish in seventh grade. Uh-huh. And now that she's taking Spanish, he really wants to learn it as well. And so he started using Duolingo, the free app. Uh-huh. And all yesterday, he was saying, Mom, yo
1: soy el niño. And I'm like, yes, you are a boy.
0: And you would just say that. I could see him with
1: like a huge smile on his face too. Probably he's like, I'm so proud. Yo soy el niño. I'm like, yes, yes, you are. You should mess with him sometime and be like, you need to go to the bathroom? No, (laughs) He's like, that's not what I said. No, no. But today's guest, we have Catherine Reynolds Lewis on who, oh my gosh, she wrote an amazing book. Oh my gosh, yes. It was just, again, it was one of those ones where the whole time I had to keep pinching myself to not keep going. Yep. uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Through the whole... (laughs) Catherine's book is called the good news about
0: bad behavior. Why kids are less disciplined than ever and what to do about it. And the striking thing about this book is that it directly acknowledges the comments that
1: like grandparents say about kids like, oh, they just don't listen like they used to or kids these days are so undisciplined and disrespectful. My favorite is hearing the whole like, well, I don't know how my kids ever made it through. They didn't have all this stuff from you guys. Okay. yeah. And something
0: Catherine brings up through her book is that, yeah, Kids aren't as they were in the past. Like, we are not raising them the same way that we were raised in the 80s. And that's actually a really good thing. But that comes with some, you know, different challenges as well, which
1: we would get into in this interview. Yes. Well, you know, part of it is just that we're learning something new and it's not exactly the skill set that we had given to us growing up. Like you just said, it's different. Like, we didn't, we're heading into new uncharted territory. We're learning the skills as we go. Exactly, exactly. So Catherine
0: Reynolds Lewis is an award-winning journalist. She is a certified parent educator. And as we mentioned before, is the author of the book, The Good News About Bad Behavior, Why Kids Are Less Disciplined Than Ever, and What to Do About It. She tells compelling stories from data, science, and personal narrative. I mean, her book is so amazing to read. And helps families support kids' ability to
1: manage their behavior, thoughts, and emotions.
0: Right in line with the No Guilt Mom mindset and perspective.
1: That's exactly that I was going to say she is a no guilt mom
0: and she has also helped put together this parenting in place masterclass right now (gasps) I was so excited when she told us about this yes it's like six weeks of parenting experts I mean these are the people who write the books like there's Tina Payne Bryson in this first six week series there's Phyllis Fagel who you'll find her interview next week on no guilt mom podcast and Tina's coming two days from this one I know you get a really great introduction to some of the Parenting in Place masterclass teachers. Right. But it is a six-week event. It's all online. It's live uh, masterclasses. And make sure you go check out our link in the show notes because it is going to be a wealth of information.
1: Oh, yes. And I love the fact, too, that it is the kind of thing that you can listen to when you need to. So that was really great.
0: You can listen to it wherever you don't need to make the live classes. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. This episode is brought to you by Brie, Brie, Brie. Yes. Do your kids ever fight? No, they eat, they breathe. Yep. Uh They fight. They fight. fight. So (laughs) they might like, I know your kids are older right now in middle school, but in elementary school, oh, they still fight even in middle school. They do. I know. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But in elementary school, they might have benefited from. The Sib Journal. Very much so. Which helps kids learn conflict resolution skills, how to communicate with their siblings about behavior. So you have all these great things to reinforce from a positive parenting perspective, but it's the kids doing a lot of the legwork.
1: Yes, yes. And it has so many fun activities for them to do together yeah. and it teaches them how to communicate. So yes, my kids, they do fight, but they are not as crazy as they once were. Yeah, They do have some communication skills and we come back to that and it really does help a lot with diffusing the situation. Yeah. So the Sib
0: Journal is on pre-sale right now. Make sure to check the link in our show notes for... More information about that. But hey, if you want to win a Sib Journal system, there's an easy way they can do that, Brie.
1: Ooh, is that maybe uh, telling us a little bit about it? Yes. Okay, so... (laughs) If you would like to win a journal system
0: and you also want to like spread good karma and love about the No Guilt Mom podcast, we would love to hear from you. All you need to do is rate and review the No Guilt Mom podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating for good karma, but hopefully we've earned that from you. And then take a screenshot of your review and go to noguiltmom.com slash review enter your screenshot and email and information to win and then we're going to draw a winner at random to get a complete sib journal system
1: yep as easy as that and you know what what do they do if they already had bought one if they'd already have bought one
0: you get a no guilt mom gift certificate for the price of the sib journal system so you get to try all of our really great courses for kids and it's a great great opportunity
1: You can't beat that. So
0: you only have until Friday, November 13th to submit your review. And let's get on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids. And we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. So, welcome, Catherine. We are so happy to have you on the No Guilt Mom Podcast. We are total fans of your book and we can't wait to have this conversation.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to it also.
0: And to start it off in kind of a fun way, we had a very like serious question for you,
1: something that sparks some <laughs> debate within Bree and me. Yes. Yeah, so this is very important. I need to know if you support this or don't. Pumpkin spice. We need a drum roll. Sorry. Yeah. The pumpkin spice. <laughs> Are you pro-pumpkin spice or non-pro-pumpkin spice? Oh, I just had a pumpkin spice
2: coffee, (laughs) so yes, Yes! I have to say pro.
0: Do you like wait for it each year to come on or are you like, oh, it's nice that it's there? No, it's nice that it's there. I'm like, I'm always, it's a pleasant surprise. I'm like, oh, it's yes. fall.
1: I can finish exactly. my pumpkin spice. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel too. Bree stockpiles it. Yes, I do. Actually, I go <laughs> and I get as much pumpkin spice as I can. I was recently on a diet where I couldn't do sugar, but you should have seen the concoctions I was making up. It so was I was funny. like, I am going to get a pumpkin spice <laughs> coffee and I'm going to find a way to make pumpkin spice bread. Remember the bread that I said, like if you just warmed it up and yeah. shut your eyes, And you I'm like, pretend. I can't do it. I can't do
2: it. <laughs> so I feel that way about peppermint bark. Oh,
1: that's my second
2: favorite. Mm -hmm.
1: For Christmas last year, my mother bought me nine boxes of the Starbucks peppermint mocha K cup coffee. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I imagine it. See me, I'm like salted caramel all the time. Like I don't have a season. It's just salted caramel all the time. It's really good. (laughs) So your book, The Good News About Bad Behavior, Why Kids Are Less Disciplined Than Ever and What to Do About It. As I was reading it, I was thinking back to my years as a teacher. And I so wish that I had had it then because One of the big things you say about why kids are less disciplined, it brought me right back to this incident that we kept having with one of my students on the playground. And it was between him and another, like, instructor. And she would always bring him in and say, like, he doesn't listen. He doesn't, like, follow directions. And I always had... disagreement with that, but I wasn't able to articulate exactly what she was doing and what I was doing with him in the classroom. And I feel like you really dug into that well in the book. Can you tell us why that situation probably caused me so much like trouble between our different ways of handling it?
2: Oh, thank you for the very kind comments. Yeah. I mean, I think teachers, I have so much empathy for especially right now. I mean, teachers are the fulcrum on which this pandemic is turning, right, sort of stretched so thin and trying to learn new methods and deal with curriculum and behavior and kids who are stressed themselves. So I wrote the book with a huge amount of respect and empathy for teachers and with the understanding that Most teacher training programs do not have much in the way of behavior, right? It's about like instruction, it's about planning and assessments. And so teachers arrive in the classroom and so much of how they deal with kids' behavior is just picked up along the way, right? What they saw a colleague doing that worked or what, you know, they read a book about. And with this book, I hoped to bring together some of the really cutting-edge research on what works what is aligned with what we know about brain science so that teachers could really use it and feel good about using it. And I think it's a wonderful anecdote that you share because I think so many teachers have this gut feeling of this is not working. It doesn't align with my desire to respect and support my kids, but I have no other tools. So this book is about all the other tools that are out there for working with kids to figure out why is, you know, he having so much trouble transitioning in from recess or why is it that he's not listening, right, and seems to be defiant? Because I fundamentally believe every child wants to succeed. Every child wakes up every morning thinking, I want to do what my parents and my teachers Tell me to, right? They don't ever intend to get in trouble. And yet this is childhood. It's messy and you make mistakes. And as you both know very well, that is part of the deal, right? We have to have space for kids to not listen, to get into trouble and still remain connected with us so we can guide them and help them figure out what's getting in their way.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the thing that I like so much about it is... When you say that we're asking the wrong questions of our kids, that we should not be asking the question, why can't they listen? We should be asking another question instead. Uh, Can you go a little bit into that? Yes. And this
2: is 100% my own journey that I started out as a parent of little ones thinking, how do I make them do what I want? Like, Why aren't they doing what I tell them? And I realized the question we should be asking is, what's getting in their way? right? What are the skills they need to manage their behavior, thoughts, and emotions? Or is there something in the environment that's, you know, getting in the way that we need to try to change or a routine that will help? So it's those two pieces, right? The skills, the social and emotional skills to self-regulate, to manage themselves, their impulse control, their frustration tolerance, all these things that our kids need to learn and sometimes it is just our kid is really struggling with something in the environment or the routine or they're overwhelmed or their senses are sort of going haywire. And when we get curious as adults, instead of getting scared, you know, scared, my kid's going to be living in a van down by the river, uh-huh. right? visiting, yeah. right? or, yeah. <laughs> or we get angry, this child is defiant that, you know, they, they're pushing on me. Both of those emotions are not serving us as adults, right? Right. We need to be curious and working with our kids.
1: Right, and the big part of that too is that they don't necessarily have the vocabulary or the communication Mm -hmm. skills to be able to articulate that. In a way that's easy for us to understand. So a lot of times it comes out as behaviors when they're having those issues. Yeah, and also
0: we're raising our kids differently than like our grandparents raised their kids. And even as we were raised differently. Yeah, we were raised differently as well. We're not raised to just comply anymore. We're raised to question and we're raised to like push back. And so seeing those behaviors in our kids
1: it's a good thing. Yeah, I'm laughing about that because I have two kids, a 12 and a 13-year-old. And my 12-year-old daughter is definitely a big one that she she has definitely picked up on the whole questioning thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you tell her that this is what it's gonna happen, she's gonna go, but why? And I have to give her a reason. And sometimes I'm tired and I'll just be like, because I said so, and she'll go, I mom, that's not a good enough reason. I'm like, all right, five (laughs) minutes and I will get my thoughts together and give you the actual reason. And it's frustrating. But at the same time, I giggle to myself because I'm like, thank goodness that my daughter is thinking about this and problem solving. Mm -hmm. But yeah, sometimes I do wish that she would just listen. Yeah, (laughs) I'm happy.
0: It's hard. It's a hard balance as a parent and it's hard keeping your own emotions in check as a parent as well, especially when kids come back with the outbursts and with the tantrums. And with all that, um, Push back, yeah. so for the parents out there who are struggling with their kids in these fights, they get into fights with their kids and they say that they don't want to let their kids win. And that's why they keep pushing back. What advice do you have
2: for them? Yes. Oh, I totally get this as a control freak myself, right? I understand how that impulse is so deep. And one of the things that helped me when I was learning all this research, I spent five years, you know, reporting this book and I went into neuroscience labs and I found all this really compelling research that when we are with another human, and especially when we're with and physically with a family member that we're close to, we co regulate. So our bodies pick up their body's rhythms. And my daughter and I were actually in a neuroscience experiment at Columbia University that was studying this and they find you can just be sitting next to your child for a couple of minutes and your breathing starts to synchronize, your heart rate starts to synchronize. They measured the saliva, they took a saliva sample to measure cortisol, which is a level of stress. So it's really natural. There's all this communication happening just between our bodies. So when our kids are yelling, and their heart rate is high, and their breathing is fast, and their voice is loud, we want to yell back. We feel it in our bodies. And if we then become dysregulated, then they're gonna just be even more dysregulated.
0: I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings and oh my gosh has it been busy lately and that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel energized. Even like I still add the coffee on there because I like it a lot. AG1 tastes really good too. And I enjoy my glass every single morning. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you wanna take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash N-G-M. That's drinkag1.com forward slash N-G-M. Check it out.
3: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
2: Instead, if we can find our zen, right, (laughs) like somehow pull it together to calm our breath, calm our body, calm our heart rate, we'll have a better chance of reaching them. And when we're in that dysregulated fight or flight state, right, no one is, you know, making good choices. No one is problem solving. It's just not a successful interaction. And anyone who has had a fight with their child knows it doesn't feel good. Right. right? When you come out of that moment, you it feels like you need a shower or something because you're like, yes. what did I just do? And they're crying and you're upset. And so we know in our bodies that it's not successful, but we don't always have, again, sort of the models of what to do instead. So okay. For some of it, it is that sort of Zen, right? Like the breathing or the mantra. For some of it, it's, it's like, fun music or going for a quick, you know, run around the house, you know, or whatever, but whatever strategies work for you to bring your own body under control helps you succeed in reaching your child.
1: Okay, so one thing that I hear from that is that not only when you're talking about the experiment that you all were participating in, so just being near your child, your bodies can connect in the, again, breathing, heart rate, stress Mm -hmm. levels. So what I'm hearing is that if you're in an argument with your child and you're able to self-regulate, it will naturally have that impact upon your child to help bring them down. Yes. So again, like that age old tip that I feel like I've heard since my kids were tiny is that like when they're yelling at you, you speak to them in a calm voice Mm -hmm. and it'll naturally help bring them down. Well, I like that you go into the science too of that because
0: I have felt it when my kids are that dysregulated and knowing that like my body's mirroring them, that's good to know. That's good to know that nothing is like actually wrong, wrong. It's just my body. Mirroring their emotions, right?
2: Your body's responding to a signal that because we're mammals, right? We take Mm -hmm. cues from other humans about safety and danger. So your body's responding to that threat signal, even though it's not really like a mountain lion's coming at you. It's just a tantruming child, (laughs) but you know, it feels like a mountain
1: lion. (laughs) (laughs) A
2: lot. (laughs) And I would say for those in the audience who are like, I can't have a calm voice. That's fine too. Just to say you know what, I can't talk calmly right now. So I'm going to need a minute. And that models for your child. You know, we don't all have to calm down instantly. We don't always have to smell and sing kumbaya, right? We're allowed to have messy emotions. And it's a healthy way to like, take a break and not get into it with your loved ones when you're in that state, right? Come back to it when you
0: can be more calm right yeah that's a great tip and was that found only like through parents and children and i ask that because i always talk about like how as a teacher in the classroom it was so much easier for me to keep all the kids on track and respond to their behaviors but as a parent it's a lot harder emotionally
2: yeah i think that we are really so much more triggered by our own children and then in the classroom of course there's that uh, positive peer pressure of like all the other kids are lining up. So it's just easier to keep, you know, group of kids on track than that one opinionated 12 year old.
1: Right? right, right. And when you think about it in terms of numbers, like you just <laughs> said, like when you've got a classroom of 20, you've got 19 other kids to help you along. When you're at home with probably two, three or four kids, you don't have the numbers. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Having that.
0: I'm
2: sorry to interrupt, but to answer your question, they have found that even strangers giving Mm -hmm. social support can help us regulate. It's not as powerful as a parent, but even a stranger, for instance, holding
1: someone's hand will help calm them down from a dysregulated state. Right. And I feel like you hear that a lot. And you mm-hmm. talk about that in your book too, about connecting, not even just, and I know that you're talking about connecting in a much bigger area there, but like I'm just thinking about that touch, mm-hmm. how big of a support that feels like. Have you ever had yeah. that moment where I know I see it with my kids, but even myself as an adult, where I'm just really stressed out. And if I just get a hug or a hand on my back, mm-hmm. I just can ah, you just breathe and yeah, relax. You can
0: breathe, definitely.
1: Now you talk about the apprenticeship
0: model for parenting. Can you share with us a little more about that? Yeah, so
2: I spent, as I said, five years following all these educators and parents and scientists trying to understand kids' behavior and what actually works to help them self-regulate. And I wrote about four different models of teaching kids discipline, but two in homes and two in schools. And I didn't want to sort of endorse one or the other, although I think they're all fabulous. But instead, I tried to pull out what are the common elements that are aligned with the science that we know is making these work. And those are connection, as you said, communication, and a focus on capability building. And those three together are the apprenticeship model. It's just sort of came up with a name to describe what I really see as our kids' job is to model us, right, to learn from us until they are ready to take over. And at 18, hopefully we shove them out the door and they're fully independent and we have worked ourselves out of a job.
0: Yes. That's the goal. That's definitely the goal. Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm hearing, going back to like you talking about how you want to make sure that your child does well and you don't jump into that hole. They're going to live in a van down by the river. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of times whenever I see my kids struggling with something, my mind catastrophizes and it goes straight to that. Oh "Oh my God. They're going to be like, 18 and they're still going to be at home and then they're going to be like I'm jumping ahead to their 30 and they're going to be living in my basement and they're going to be like (laughs) no job and I'm still going to be supporting them all because I don't know he didn't practice his violin tonight (laughs) Right. And we catastrophize.
2: And in some ways, I think we feel like if we worry enough, bad things won't happen. Yeah. Oh my god. And yet there's also all this research around our mindset and how when we have a positive mindset, we're actually more capable. And when we're worrying and predicting doom and we're feeling fearful, we are physically weaker, we are less effective, right? There's, it's really just so counterproductive. So I have had to work and I'm still always working on training myself out of that. Like the immediate crisis is somehow going to last forever.
0: Yeah. That reminds us a lot about our chat with Dr. Michelle Borba about how like self-regulation helps kids and people be more empathetic because you go outside of yourself.
2: Yes. And actually raising empathy made me think back to when we were talking about like physical touch and our calm presence with our kids and empathy. Those three things alone can solve so many problems in our homes. Often we feel like there needs to be some special language, right? There needs to be some mystery unlocked that then (laughs) our kids will like suddenly behave. And yet it's those simple things, right? Keeping ourselves calm, using empathy and boy, Michelle Borba is a genius around empathy and just having that physical touch if they want it and need it, that's almost like 90% of the upset. But we feel like it's not enough, right? We have to have like yeah. some secret that's in another book. That we
1: yeah, lock, yeah. There's right? some magical wand yeah. out there that yeah. somebody <laughs> has and I'm going to find it. And it's like, yeah, if there was a magical wand or like that one technique that worked for every kid in every situation, that person would be a gazillionaire.
0: But it's yes. so awesome because those things that you mentioned, they're so simple to do. And
1: even just hearing that, you're like, oh, that's 90%. I could do that. I don't have to like... Ah, but the key is that self-regulation for yourself. Yeah, because like you perfect. said, like I 100% agree with that. Like After I have a fight, I had a moment this weekend with my kids where my son was in a high alert status. Something was causing him anxiety he didn't have the words for it. So he started snapping at me and actually like punched me in the arm. And then that made me just like flip my lid Mm -hmm. and I couldn't be calm. And then about 30 seconds later, I recognized what was happening. I calmed myself down and boy, did I feel like I needed a shower. Like I couldn't (laughs) hug him enough and tell him I was sorry enough because I completely missed his cues. But I tried my best to reconnect after that. And was like, I'm really sorry. I realized now when you were talking to me and you were punching my arm, mm-hmm. you were trying to signal to me that you were really upset and that you needed to be comforted. And I missed that. He's like, it's okay. Aww. But I mean, it comes back to that. Like, just like you said, I felt like I needed a shower. I was like, oh yeah. my goodness.
2: I love that story. And thank you for sharing it because we need to be able to apologize and be vulnerable with our kids. And so many parents are like, we need to get our kids to take responsibility, right? They're not taking responsibility. Well, you just showed him how you take responsibility for your own actions. And that's so much more powerful than like a million lectures on why didn't you pick up your wet towel, Right?
0: right? Yeah, right. It's really hard though. Like, cause my kids, I apologize to them. I feel like so often <laughs> and like you think like when you apologize as a happened. parent, you're like, Oh, I did this again. I did that again. And I know like all the research doesn't support that thinking it's like, no, this is really, really good. But they are at the point now where they will tell me immediately if I did something that upset them. So like we, my daughter recently changed dance studios because unfortunately COVID took her dance studio down and we just said something about like, oh, and we inadvertently compared one dance studio to the other. And she shuts us down immediately. She's like, that really makes me sad when you do that. And both me and my
1: husband are like, wow, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But how powerful is that, that she has that communication skill and that she didn't. So again, that shows what healthy communication you've been able to bestow upon your child, Mm -hmm. that she can communicate that instead of slamming something down on the table and storming out or ripping up a book later or just flat out not getting in the car when she needs to leave for school the next morning because she wants to teach you a lesson.
0: It's a hard thing to counter though, because I know like my initial instinct and I know probably a lot of other parents' initial instinct is this, is to, instead of apologize, is to be really defensive about all of your decisions. And you're like, well, I did this because of that and that and that and that.
1: I feel like that's human. Isn't that somewhat of like human behavior right there? Like you're trying to defend yourself. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And
1: that is teaching your kids
2: to be defensive And Mm -hmm. to not own their choices or, you know, it's, and when I think about what we're talking about here is really about our own perfectionism Mm -hmm. and our own sense of it's not okay to make a mistake. So how can we expect our children to take risks and make mistakes and mess up if we're not willing to do it? And I will just make one more connection, which is anxiety is the biggest challenge for our children right now. Nearly a third, maybe even more than a third of kids have an anxiety diagnosis. And that is about perfectionism. Fear of mistakes, fear of messing up, being frozen because you're you're worried you're not good enough. So if there's one thing that parents need to do, it's to model risk-taking, messing up, being okay with not being perfect, and falling flat on your face and apologizing.
0: Yeah. And that it's quite the hit to the parental ego, like every time that happens. But it's so important just to like, remember that any mistake that you make as a parent, most mistakes you make, you can go back and repair the relationship. And it's more important just to repair and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's also a good thing. So parents know that like all is not lost if you yell. Right. Go back and repair.
2: Yeah. Exactly. We have a million choices to make every day, every week with our kids. And so we ha- even when we mess up one of them or 10 of them, right, we mm-hmm. still do a lot of things right.
0: Yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about capability in kids. Because kids, I see, like they do have this anxiety and this perfection. And I feel like some of it really connects to them not feeling capable of doing certain tasks because they haven't been allowed to do them and fail or like in the home there's a lot of control over you know what's done when and you know how it's done. And so one of the things I really liked that you said was when kids have a problem, you give them their first crack at solving it and you don't try to jump in and solve it.
2: Yes. No, this is another one that's hard because we've got decades of experience on this planet, right? We know lots of right ways to do things. (laughs) And yeah, if we give our kids first crack to take a stab, right, they might find a solution that works for them. And then they're going to learn something. Or even better, if they find a solution that doesn't work, they're going to learn probably more from that. And in both those scenarios, they will learn more than if they're arguing with their parent Who's trying to tell them the right way to do it, right? So, and I even talk about my my husband often says he wants first crack. So, like (laughs) (laughs) we we have an agreement that you know the parent on the scene makes the call, right? It's like the coach who or whatever the ref who sees the play makes the call. So I, you know, back him up even if I'm like, oh, I might have done something different (laughs) if I had been in the room when that happened.
5: So, join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us
1: you know, and I think that brings up a really good point too, about how you had mentioned that children a lot of times, if they're if the solution is something that they came up with, they're more apt to try it mm-hmm. and work it. Hello, every preteen and teenager out there, right? Because they all think that we have no idea what we're talking about. Like you, yeah, mom, you were a teenager, but that was so long ago. Like the world was completely (laughs) different. There were dinosaurs out and about. Like people had that phone with a cord. I mean, you do not know what we're talking about. Oh my gosh. I feel like that's a big factor. Again, like with the age group that I'm dealing with at my house right now, a 12 and a 13 year old, no matter what suggestion I give, it's almost always met with a yeah, but Uh or a rolled eye. And it's like, okay, well then, and you're right. Sometimes their solutions are not something that I would have done or supported. I feel like there's a way better solution out there, but if Mm -hmm. it's what works for them, and I think it's important, though, to know, like things are not perfect
0: in like anyone's house, especially like when mm-hmm. you're trying to use this method of positive parenting and giving them choices. Like I loved how you shared the incident with your kids and your daughter in the muffin and you shared that your daughter was cussing throughout the house.
2: Okay, yes.
5: wait,
0: I have to hear the story a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah,
2: I mean, I have to say I, got, I was very vulnerable in the book because there is my house is not always perfect and there's a lot of messiness. And there are definitely people who judge me for that, right? Like no child should be using the F word. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sorry if you have a teenager and they're not using the <laughs> F word with you. It's because they're scared too. And I do not ever want my child to fear me. Right, And I think especially knowing in the moment, right, my child doing something doesn't mean that I endorse and co-sign their behavior Mm -hmm. if I'm not like immediately challenging it. They know my values. By the time our kids are four or five, they know our values. We do not have to shove it down their throat every moment. But yeah, so mornings are hard, right? Mornings are just hard. And so we were running late and, you know, there was distraction from the cell phone and all the things that you would expect in a busy morning trying to get out the house for school pre-COVID. And one of my kids was just distracted and didn't get food and missed the deadline to get the food that they wanted. And then there was a huge explosion. So just because I witness a huge explosion without yelling back does not mean that I endorse that's how we behave in our family and my kids know that they know we, we don't like to curse and we don't like to yell and that's not acceptable behavior. But it certainly happens, and especially with teenagers, right? If we took every slammed door or you know dirty look or curse as a challenge to get in a power struggle, we would
1: destroy our relationships with our kids like right. very quickly. Right, and I think that that's a good point too. Like you talked about how we're not expected to be perfect at. And- If we had a bad moment where we've cursed, which, oh, gosh, yeah, no, I've never done that (laughs) all the time. And my kids will be like, mom, I'm like, I'm sorry, I was bad. We expect somebody to give us a minute to calm down and cool off. Mm -hmm. So we have to give that same allowance to our children. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. uh, And going back to Joanne's
2: comment about like parents who feel like they have to win or they can't let their kids win. I would also just say when you feel like you're in a fight with your child or you're tugging on that rope, right, nobody wins in that situation. Mm -hmm. The only way is to drop the rope and to try to align with your child so that you two are working together to solve whatever problem there is. Because if we're fighting with each other, actually, it would be easier for our kids to just get mad at us and resentful at us than to try to examine their own behavior and to learn new skills and to do all this hard work of managing their emotions that we're asking them to do. So we need to actually just let them grapple with life's challenges rather than getting in that conflict with them.
0: I totally agree. 100%. Like I'm to the point now in my parenting where I hope that my kids make a little mistake and they learn from it now. Like this morning, I came back home. I do like a morning workout and my daughter comes downstairs and she's like rushing and she's like, nobody woke me up. And I'm like, oh oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) Okay, well, maybe you need to set your alarm. And like, so she, well, she didn't say anything. She 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 didn't Um, say, oh, mom, what a great suggestion. (laughs) You're so smart. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm glad she ignored me because I was being a little uppity. But just experiencing that panic and that anxiety, like that's the kind of panic and anxiety we do want kids to experience. Stuff that they could take steps, and prevent from happening in the future. Right. 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 And
2: there's that curve, the performance curve where you need a certain amount of anxiety, right, to perform well Mm -hmm. before you get to Mm -hmm. too much anxiety where you freeze. So we need our kids to have some stress in their lives in order to manage, learn to manage stress, right? And there need to be real challenges that they're dealing with in order for them to learn life skills.
0: Yeah. And I think that goes back perfectly with the capability and building kids who like feel confident about what they can and they can't do. Yeah.
2: And it has to be real. It can't be just because you told them they're great, right? It's because they struggled to get dinner on the table for the family and something was a little burnt, but they managed it. Right. And it was a real challenge that they overcame.
0: It was a real challenge. And when they do mess up, thinking about consequences. I don't know if you do this, but like my, so my kids watch Full House, like the old version of Full House all the time. It's on all the time, every time I go in. And I have this opportunity to like see like the 90s parenting structure. And one of them was like, oh, I think Stephanie went to go get her ears pierced, but she had Kimmy Gibbler do it instead. And so Danny's like, well, what's the consequence? You guys are grounded for a week. And that's what we were raised with. So like, what is your philosophy on consequences and punishment with kids? So this is such
2: an important question and I'm so glad you asked it. So there is reams of research, like just hundreds of studies that punishment is not effective. It doesn't teach our kids skills. It doesn't help our relationship with them. In fact, it erodes our relationship with them. And so it actually doesn't solve any of the problems in that moment of, like, learning responsibility or gaining impulse control. Rewards are also problematic because when we reward behavior we want, it is really interesting and counterintuitive, but the research shows that it discourages that behavior in the future. So if you pay someone for grades, they are never going to work harder to get a grade unless they're getting paid. So that's the problem with rewards is you always have to escalate and escalate and do more. And fundamentally, the problem is that it is this superior, powerful parent deciding, you know, pulling the puppet strings who is deciding what rewards and punishments to give. So when people say consequence in this situation you described, it is a punishment. It is not a consequence. A consequence, as I define it, teaches. It is something that helps our kids learn the skill or insight or lesson that they need in that situation. So the consequence of forgetting your lunch on the kitchen table and going to school without it is you are hungry, right? It is not that you lose your iPad time, right? Uh, Yeah, right. I think that's totally unrelated. <laughs> and in the parenting philosophies that I wrote about in the book, so the Parent Encouragement Program here in Kensington, Maryland, teaches the four R's rule of consequences that teach. And that is if it is related to the child's choices or actions, if it's reasonable in scope, if it's revealed in advance, really, That's really big important, one. Mm-hmm. and if it's respectful, then it is something that will actually teach as opposed to being a punishment that just makes the kid resentful. They're in their room grounded for a week scheming revenge on their you know mean parent or figuring out how to be more sneaky because that's the other problem with rewards and punishments is they just set up this power struggle with our kids where they're going to try to go around us and in this world right now there's so many challenges for our kids we need to be a resource for them if they have a friend who's self-harming if they have a you know they're exposed to drugs or alcohol or they you know have some kind of a sexual encounter that doesn't go the way they want they need to know they can come to us and we will be a resource for them rather than potentially giving them a punishment. So that trust is so crucial and the stakes are really high for our kids in this environment. Mm
0: -hmm. So if parents are ever wondering why their kids don't take the punishments the same way the Tanner family does,
1: uh, well, for that reason, let's just start with, there was, a script. <laughs> there was a script. There weren't a lot of choices there on the, okay, dad, it says, say, okay, dad.
2: <laughs> and, you know, I also say, like, when we have seen so many civil rights movements in this country, right? There was a racial civil rights movement, there was a women's liberation movement, there was a gay rights. I mean, of course, children have drunk in this mantra of equality and respect for all. So they want their, you know, child's rights movement where they are deserving of respect and a voice. And we want that too, right? We started this conversation that we want our kids to be independent and to question and so we can't have that and also have them, yes, okay, I'll be
0: in my room yeah. for a week. <laughs> They cannot be compliant and should, right. like be independent. Like, exactly, that's not the same thing. Exactly. So, what are you excited about now? That like, what are you working on? Oh, so many things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So,
2: well, one thing that I'm working on with I know you had on um, Leahy He and I think Michelle Borba on the podcast. Yes. So, I'm with them and a few other wonderful parenting authors, we are doing a masterclass series. Mm -hmm. All the Parenting in Place Masterclass series, and I'm really excited to connect with parents on, you know, all of these issues we're talking about, as well as issues around, you know, anxiety, mental health, race, you know, LGBTQ identity, all the things that our kids are dealing with. So that starts in mid-November, and we're going to have two series, so I'm really excited about that. And I'm also doing wonderful fellowship at MIT through the Knight Science Journalism Program on the science of racial bias in education. So that has been, I've been just reading, you know, lots of papers. I'm sort of in that research phase again of just learning a lot about how racial bias is formed and what are interventions that help and what hurts and hopefully writing at some point in the future about some solutions.
1: I was going to say, I feel like I'm hearing another book coming <laughs> from that down the road at some point in time. Awesome. Definitely
0: an article, if not a book. Okay. Yeah. So where can people find you to connect with you more? So my website is probably the
2: easiest. It's com, and that has links to my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I, email. I always love hearing from listeners and readers. So even tough questions. I love to troubleshoot.
5: Yay. That's great.
0: And everyone should get your book. The good news about Bad behavior. It is fantastic. So thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. We've so enjoyed this and you've given us so many like wonderful tips that practice. Thank
2: you, Joanne and Bree. Really great to chat with you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So I love talking with Katherine Reynolds Lewis because she just made me feel so much better about my parenting because she was so real throughout the whole book. Like she's not like this picture of perfection. She's like all the rest of us parents.
1: Oh, yes, yes. Like it's just the fact that Things don't always work out the way they're supposed to. That muffin story. The muffin story. Oh, yes. She's like, I can't even. I can't even censor myself for every time there's a bad word. I just like threw things around here on the desk. (laughs) (laughs) You got really into the muffin story. You're like, yes, yes. The muffin story. That has happened in our house many times.
0: Yeah. But like just the way that we're raising kids differently now based on
1: how we were raised, like it comes with some pushback from them. And it's pushback that we should really invite. Right. Because we need them to be able to think on their own, make their own decisions. They're only going to learn from those experiences. Right. Yeah, they're only going
0: to learn. And it's okay if our kids have tantrums and if they swear at us.
1: All that matters is we go back, we repair the relationship and uh, go from there. Yeah. So like, it makes me think back to her apprenticeship model and her explanation of that, how first you have to have that connection. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that that we talk about a lot here at No Guilt Mom, right? We talk a lot about the connection that that emotional connection that you need to have with your children so that they feel safe, they feel secure, that they can talk to you and that you feel like. You can speak with them too freely. Mm-hmm. And then she talked about communication, which is yeah. right there after that, right? Mm-hmm. Still about that open communication with your child. Don't have them think that we're perfect because we're not. Right? Yeah. No, we we're make mistakes too. Hello. That's I how we learn. I
0: apologize to my daughter like many times this weekend for saying something that I regretted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of times where I have to take a deep breath, come back. I even had that last week where like my daughter and I had a disagreement. She wasn't here. Mm -hmm. And so we were doing like FaceTime. And I get really frustrated when I have FaceTime with her and she's at her dad's. And she snaps at me for something that, dude, I'm not even there. I had no control over it. So then I snapped back. We ended the conversation and I had to text her back that I was sorry. And She kind of like sat on that for a couple of days. But that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because she needed to. That's where she was at. So um, And it's
0: okay to like sit on it until you're in control of your emotions, which is something that you've probably taught her. And
1: I hope, I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) We're getting there. And then the last thing about the apprenticeship model is talking about capability, right? Like just like that, being able to work through the tough stuff, Mm -hmm. being able to come up with a solution, being able to like, to have that confidence in themselves that they can
0: do hard things, which I think that. You know, when we do a lot of stuff for our kids, when we try to prevent the pain, we take away that capability. Right. And it's
1: such a unintended consequence, yeah. right? Because like, again, like what you said, like we're just trying to help them not fall flat on their face like we did, mm-hmm. not feel that gut-wrenching pain of whatever disappointment is coming to them, not realizing that by us superseding that experience, we are sending that message to them that I don't think you're capable of handling this. I know. And it's like heartbreaking when you think of it that way, because that's not what we want. That's not what we want at all. And yet, I love you so much. I don't want you to feel pain and have hardship. Oh, but wait, then you're going to have a lot of pain and hardship later.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) we're recording this a few weeks, like a week or so after our interview with Catherine. And in the past week, I've actually used some of Catherine's tactics of saying like, with my son I'm like I think I've given you the wrong idea like if I do this for you I am showing you that I don't have confidence you can do this yourself I did this actually with Brett like preparing him a snack he wanted me to make him toast with jelly on it and he's like mom can you make it for me I'm like and I stop right there because usually I do it Mm -hmm. and so if I didn't if I said no I think he would have questioned that and pushed back but I said You know this is something that i know you can do by yourself and if i do it for you i'm taking away my confidence in you that you could do it on your own
1: Ooh, how did he respond to
0: that he made his bread (sighs) he was like all right cool the only thing he needed help with was spreading the jelly he's still like not realizing he just needs to push down on the knife a little bit to get that jelly to spread but that is
1: a skill we are working on in all fairness jelly on bread is kind of a hard thing sometimes. Uh, okay. so I'm going to give that one to her. It them. gets all clumpy and yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but we hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Catherine as much as we did. And
1: oh, let's read a review. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. So if you have
0: not yet. yet submitted a screenshot of your review to the No Guilt Mom Sib uh, Journal giveaway, make sure you do so. You have until Friday, November 13th. And Bree, what is the listener review we're highlighting today?
1: Ooh, this one says, Amazing Perspectives. And it was left for us by Whitney Lee 33. And she says, I love the perspectives these ladies and the professionals they invite to contribute have for parenting in the 21st century. With all these new problems, we pioneer as moms. My favorite idea so far is that loving your family well does not equal doing all the things. Amen. Yeah, it's like, wow face emoji. I can't wait to hear more from these mamas. Oh, thank you so much, Whitney. Thank you, Whitney. Big fuzzy virtual hug. (laughs) And as we leave you, remember
0: the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for stopping
1: by.